Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. We're doing things a little differently this week, uh, Boston. We're going to start with the creme de la creme. My buddy, Boston, Austin <laughs> Ward. Uh, I state. That just I, proves that I'm not the boss because you do whatever you want with the no, show. No, I don't know. I just, uh, I just kind of like you know it's your the show. boss. You know, if you notice on corporate corporate planes, the boss always sits in the back. Uh, somebody else has to fly the damn plane. You know, on most <laughs> cases. But uh, but uh, but I digress. Of course, uh, the the K U H P is sitting here right between us, Boston. Uh, A couple twenties in there. The ta- the county amounts up to eighty eight bucks. Um, there's another dollar going into it right there. I can't even talk about it without without going there. It's just your generosity. Tim. Yeah, That's it is what... my generosity. But obviously, spirits are high this week because this. Big game on the horizon, Ohio State versus Penn State. The second, what you'd call, super big test for this Ohio State football team. Mm-hmm. Coming off a uh, oh, 56-21 to 21 win at Rutgers on Saturday. I know you and the glue man and uh, Jeremy Birmingham were there. I watched the thing via, via Cinescope, excuse me, television. <laughs> and uh, – there's another dollar for the cup. There could be, might be a lot of those in in this as we talk about this game real quick, but then move on. But your biggest takeaway from Ohio State fifty six to twenty one over Rutgers, yeah, which was a fifty three point underdog, was what that Ohio State got through it without any significant injuries. Um, you know, walking off the field, there were a number of staffers, even some players that was like, okay relief they accomplished what they needed to they weren't trying to set a record of scoring points the way i thought that they might or they could have 
with my outrageous score prediction. Yeah. Um, they wanted to get that game over with, and they finally acknowledged it and said it out loud as they were, you know, packing up and heading for the bus and get on the plane home. They know what is coming on Saturday against Penn State. They know the rivalry game is looming after that, and assuming they've taken care of business on Saturday, what could be waiting in the Big Ten championship game. These are the games that they want to play for, and it was hard. I mean, you know, if that's a letdown for Ohio State, which I think that it kind of was, there were no people in the stands. They knew that Rutgers couldn't match up with them. They took that 21-point lead in the blink of an eye, and then it was like, okay, just get out of the game, and they did that. And so I think the energy was not there. If anybody wants to look at that game and say that it applies to Penn State, it will not. I will say this. The energy was there early uh, because, right. obviously, Lee, without yeah. without the uh, Garrett Wilson muffed punt, you know, Ohio State does. That, just, that my score prediction might have been within reach without that. Exactly. You know, I know there – you know, I understood, you know, from from keeping up with things that there was a lot of action on Ohio State at that 53-point mark, and people thought they'd win this thing by 80 to nothing. Mm-hmm. And – uh you know what goes around comes around with those spreads. Ohio State's now eight and two against the spread. We'll Still see where, pretty darn good. We'll see where it goes this week because let's just jump right into it real quick. Okay. There were some things that the first touchdown by Rutgers after that muff punt that was a perfectly blocked play. As you you know anybody watched is going to see my uh, plays of the week this week. You're going to see Rutgers lined up ran right off left tackle touchdown. That looked like shades of last year with Ohio State's defense and. Uh, I'm sure they went to the sideline there and got a few things straightened out because the defensive lineman got blown out of the, the path there and the, the linebackers got caught up in the wash, and it was just like last year. Yeah, and I couldn't tell on first uh, glimpse, and you'll break this down, maybe you'll be able to crack the code, if it was tough Borland getting uh, you know too, flowing too far to the left there. I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll, I'll, I'll sum it for you real quick. The two defensive uh, linemen in there got blown out of their gaps. Yeah, and so it was like, I was instantly getting feedback that it was a tough Borland thing from last year. Pete Warner maybe didn't fill the hole. And, and and I don't know. Like You're going to have a better insight on that when you break it down again well, here. Well, blockers got look. out on those two guys yeah. too. And, and But, yeah, you're right. It did look a little like last year. But I think that part of it why I say don't put too much stock in what happened at Rutgers, that was still relatively early in the game. So, yeah, you can the starters are on the field. But I think it's difficult for those teams. You go through a course of a college football season – you're going to have a day when you don't have your best stuff. Exactly. And I sort of understand why that happened for Ohio State with the level of competition, the fact that you know they like to play in front of people, but it felt like a scrimmage, and you knew that the stakes were low for them because you could make a mistake and they were still going to be able to win easily. I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for the way they played. They still won by 35 points on the road in a big Ladies 10 game. Ladies and gentlemen, it sounds like he's trying to make excuses yeah, for the way Ohio State played. I guess sometimes if you it know, sounds like you're making excuses, you is, are. But As I said on uh, as I said on wall-to-wall sports the other night uh, when my buddy Dom Tiberi is it uh, – there's another dollar. Dang it. <laughs> don't, it, let it don't let it disrupt the flow it of was, the show. It was, like, it was like Ohio State dominated that game with the exception of about seven or eight plays. Yeah. You know, <laughs> So it's like – it's really nitpicking, but everybody, you know, everybody said, "Well, Penn State won't even look at that game. They're going to look at that first touchdown scored by Rutgers because that was a well blocked play yeah. against Ohio State." You know, yeah, they had some rotating guys in there at the defensive line at that spot you know, at that moment, but it was a first team, otherwise first team defense, and Rutgers ran right through them. And so you're going to look at different plays from that. You'll take some things from that because that is the latest amount of evidence you have about Ohio State football team. But here's the biggest thing that we haven't even said about that yet. And if you're looking at a defensive line that you know, maybe didn't handle that play perfectly, well, it's going to be quite different when number two is out there at defensive end. 
That changes everything about how you attack Ohio State. That changes everything about the way you get attacked by Ohio State. And, you know, Maryland and Rutgers, they did not need Chase Young. But when you're getting ready for How do you Penn know State, they wouldn't have run that when, uh, you know, because the way they rotate well, guys in there, that might be the time he's not in there. I mean, you're right. but <laughs> He's I, on I the sideline ex- and they're all distracted <laughs> by him. I would expect, if we're talking about the first quarter of the game yeah, on Saturday, yeah. he's not going to come off the field this week. He's had two weeks off. I know that the rotation is important. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I hear a sound. Johnson. I hear a sound. I hear something. That's the cavalry coming over the ridge in the form of Chase Young. Yeah, and so, you know, if we're talking about just that exact situation and how badly he wants to be back, how badly the Buckeyes want him to get back out there and impact the game, this is I think this will be the highest snap count that Chase Young will see all year. Yeah, and it's interesting because what's Penn State's final memory from its loss to Ohio, shocking loss to Ohio State last year. Chase Young swallowing up, tackle for loss. Bingo, looping inside behind, I think it was Haskell Garrett who shoved the man backwards into the left, the the the, uh, the right guard and the tackle, and uh, Chase Young looping in there and making a tackle for loss. For some reason, another on fourth and five, <laughs> Penn State runs a zone read option. But James you know Franklin, what? baby. Against that Ohio State defense, the way it played last year, why wouldn't you run that play, <laughs> right? But Chase Young standing in the hole and nails the guy. So, Yes, I mean, <clears throat> Penn State has seen Chase Young coming over the ridge now for a couple of weeks. Uh, offensively, what did Ohio State get out of the oh, Rutgers game? The passing attack, I think, you know, I sort of – I hate to say that they were looking ahead at Penn State, but the fact that Justin Fields happened to set his career high in passing yardage the week before they take on a really suspect Nittany Lions secondary, yes. to me doesn't seem like a coincidence that – and I've been asking Ryan Day this, so have you, for several weeks. Like, if if it comes to a game where somebody can stop the run, which you know Wisconsin couldn't do it, uh, maybe Penn State, maybe they'll have something different to try and slow down J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague and uh, Justin Fields when he runs. But uh, we'll see. Ohio State likes to prove that point when they get in those big games that they can still be out physical then. But let's just say it happens. Then can Justin Fields win a game with his arm? Again, the qualifier and drop that. You know, take it with a grain of salt. But throwing for 300 yards. The way you saw Ben Victor, K.J. Hill running some routes, Chris Olave with some absolutely, you know, there was the one gorgeous deep ball, and then there was the insane catch where he was getting interfered with, plucks one off the turf somehow. Uh, it's one of my plays of the week, bro. Yeah, I, it's a great one to break down because I, I don't know how he did it. It was remarkable. I think that you saw with that 300-yard passing day, he's not, Justin Fields doesn't have to answer about that anymore, throws for four touchdowns. People got a reminder uh, why he shouldn't have been excluded in the Heisman race all along. He's now 41 touchdowns accounted for. He's got the same number of touchdowns as Joe Burrow, and he's got like half the snaps. Okay, I, I, I put this out there on Walter Wall Sports the other night too. You know, we're looking at Chase Young coming over the ridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how his Heisman candidacy has been affected by this. As Gene Smith said, it shouldn't be because – the guy was a quality young man. He stepped up and answered the questions, uh, fessed up, so to speak, as you and Berm like to say, Frenchy, <laughs> Frenchy Birmingham like to say. Uh, wee wee. But I digress. Uh, Justin Fields, it, you know, as much as these could be marquee games, show off games for Justin for uh, Chase, Chase Young the next two three weeks. If they, in fact they do get to the Big Ten Championship game, mm-hmm. same thing with, for Justin Fields. And this is when you want your your great quarterback to step up and truly make plays, perhaps play an entire game. As you pointed out, he threw for 300 yards by playing two quarters and one possession of a game the other day. Mm-hmm. We've, we've all seen the passing game from Ohio State just 
just slowly but surely just blossom into something big time, especially with Chris Olave and Benjamin Victor down on the on the big play downside uh, down downfield plays. Yeah. So that's I'm I'm with you. I the, the Heisman race is far from over. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Joe Burrow, without a doubt, is the leader as we head into the basically the the last few holes of this tournament, but. <laughs> Justin Fields has a chance to really make a move. Yeah, it's uh, there are some eagle opportunities ahead of Justin Fields <laughs> yeah. the last couple Best weeks. Best way here. of putting it. And, and, and Joe Burrow has that too. And when we talk about this from the Ohio State perspective and covering them, and it's hard to get a feel like we're, we're not even talking about J.K. Dobbins. And if he had got you know the carries in the second half of games, maybe that would change the conversation as well. But I'm not diminishing what Joe Burrow has accomplished. And going on the road to beat Alabama – and pick apart their defense is a huge accomplishment. That's a Heisman moment, and he might get one in the SEC championship game. But, you know, Justin Fields is doing this without having had the opportunity to play in many second halves, uh, you know, other than really Wisconsin where he couldn't even – they weren't throwing that much because of the weather and had some drops. You know, to be at 41 touchdowns accounted for at this point of the season, and and maybe he's not going to – you know, didn't have many 6-7 TD games the way you might have seen – uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins or Braxton Miller back in the day. Kenny Guyton had one. You know, those mm-hmm. that those didn't happen for him. So it's not going to happen probably against Penn State or Michigan or Wisconsin in a rematch or Minnesota. But, you know, if you throw for 300 yards in one or two of those games, three more touchdowns in each of them, and you keep Ohio State undefeated and then win the Big Ten, now we're talking about a really interesting case because I was looking at the Sagarin ratings for the last three weeks. Everyone loves, loves to criticize Ohio State's schedule. Well, they could potentially be playing 8, 9, and 10 right. in the last three weeks of the season. Right. You go undefeated in that, they usually send you to New York City. Yeah. I mean, I, like I'm saying, yeah. you, you gave all the evidence. It's like I, I presented the case, <laughs> and then my co-DA uh, gave all the evidence. Closer. I mean, bottom line, Bottom line is you're exactly right, and you look at J.K. Dobbins, the way they've been able to keep him fresh the last couple of weeks – you know, he had 100 and what, 180 yards roughly the last two weeks when, in fact, if he'd stayed in those games, he might have had 180 in each at least. Uh, Does this remind – That doesn't help his Heisman campaign, yeah. but J.K. Dobbins is about something totally different this year. Yeah, does this does this remind you at all of that 14 season? I know that the parallels are not yes. identical, but with Zeke – The answer, yes. It was like, okay, was well, his numbers aren't very good, but they, that Zeke was fresh and then – you got to the postseason and bye bye. Everybody talks about Cardell Jones and this and that. The two fellas who really just helped Ohio State turn it up a notch. I'm talking about skill player wise because obviously the offensive line came on, but the two players who really took it up a notch were Devin Smith and Ezekiel Elliott. They played on another level. And like I said, if the Heisman Trophy vote had been taken after, after yep. the playoffs. Ezekiel Elliott would have run away with it. Agreed? Absolutely, he would have. Anyway, let's jump into this game real quick. Okay. Uh, what's your take on Penn State as we as we watch these guys right now? Because, you know, you can't always extrapolate. They beat this team by this much. Ohio State beat that team by this much. Yeah. So, Ohio State's going to win this game. Because if you could do that, then Ohio State would have won the other day 100 and what, <laughs> 20 to yeah. 7 right. over Rutgers. Did not happen. So, what's your takeaway of where Penn State is? I'm talking about figuratively, not where they literally are, which is in State College, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I I think I start when I look at these matchups with the three the three factors. If I'm gambling or picking a game, 
I want to know who's going to win the head coaching battle, which coach do I trust more. Then I look at the starting quarterback, and then three is where the, where the game is played. So if I'm looking at Penn State, I'm not taking James Franklin over Ryan Day in any circumstance ever. I've always been skeptical of James Franklin and his in-game management, and I am more than ever this season. And even Penn State, there you see some of the coverage coming out of the Minnesota game. Why did you go for two game management? Think about last year with the fourth and five or six, whatever it was. And I, I, I just in a big game, I have no faith in James Franklin. So you know Clifford versus Justin Fields to me, that's that's a no-brainer. And then the games in the shoe. What do where could a challenge come? I think that rush defense is probably uh, salty enough to create some problems for Ohio State. We'll see. But that was the expectation before the Wisconsin game. I think they're going to struggle mightily on offense to block Chase Young, who's going to be a man possessed. Devon Hamilton, he added another one, Tim. You wrote about him last week. Four sacks in the last three games. It's not just that Chase Young is doing it. With with Hamilton and Cornell inside, that creates a lot of problems. Uh, You you hope that a quarterback like, you know, Trace McSorley used to be, well, he can extend plays and create problems. Well, if you have those two defensive tackles that are taking away your pocket, in two seconds, and they're athletic enough to run you down, that that I think advantage is negated. Troublesome a little bit though coming out of that Rutgers game too was the you know you knew going in that Johnny Langan was going to run as much as he was going to throw. Yeah. He had some success running. I'm talking about Rutgers quarterback. They, you know, there were there were just these little troubling things there that you saw leaks. If it was on a boat, you'd have the sump pump running, you know, as opposed to. Uh, you weren't be bailing like it was last <laughs> year, but the sump whereas the sump up hadn't been running that much this year, it was running on that defense occasionally on Saturday. Yeah, I, I don't think you're ever truly gonna st- if you have a mobile quarterback. I don't think you're ever gonna truly stop him from getting some yards in. Well, a that's game. why I'm bringing it up because Sean Clifford has shown he, he can, can run a little bit, yeah. run a lot actually. The kid from Xavier High School in Cincinnati, and it's a big coming home sort of. Uh, moment for him. I mean, I think he is a legitimate weapon. With, with Hamler getting banged up, though, you know. That's a big one. Wow. You just kind of go, where do they go? Because I, I see Ohio State's defense kind of holding sway in a situation without Hamler because I, I keep remembering like it was five minutes ago or five seconds ago. They, what, piss at a first and first down on the five on its own five-yard line just before halftime. All you're saying to yourself is somebody better cover K.J. Hamler here. They run a slant. Sean Wade. Uh, Sean Wade thinks he's going to run a takeoff. Instead, he cuts in front of him, runs a slant, and goes what, wherever it was, 95, 91 yep. yards just before halftime, or that game wouldn't have been a game probably. Yep. And you're just going, that's what this team had going for, but now with Hamler banged up, Journey Brown coming on as their running back, uh, pretty much like that Pacheco kid. I mean, he's he's a fast guy. His confidence is kind of growing as it goes. He had a 100-yard game the other day. I mean, they do present some challenges offensively. I think it's just – yeah, you're right, and that's sort of where I would say most of their ability to test Ohio State will come. I don't think that people talk about their rush defense, and I did already, and the, the numbers look good. I think when you look collectively, a lot of teams have had success throwing on Penn State, and not it wasn't just Indiana last week or not just Minnesota in that Correct. game. It's been That's been a looming problem, and you're trying to match up some of these guys. Ryan Day will know where he wants to attack, and – if it has to lead with the with the throw instead of trying to hammer away with J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague early, that's what he'll do because he has Benjamin Victor playing at a pretty high level right now. You have K.J. Hill, one of the more consistent guys that Ohio State's had in, in you know ever. He might finish as the Dude, most he might, productive. He, he might he might be vying for the most consistent because yeah. uh, he's he's uh, 
zeroing in on a couple of records. A big-time records. And so, you know, Garrett Wilson, they're using him more in the passing attack. He obviously is going to be uh, upset a little on the practice field this week about man, the costly James turnover. Williams, though. My man Jameson Williams had a couple of t- chances there the other Those day. Those were big chances, too. And, uh, uh, deep ball and yeah. then one that should have been a first down. Yeah, but, I mean, the, the thing is, these things keep coming on, but you never know if they're going to click or not. You know, you kind of run that airplane out there. Is it going to take off? We'll see. But, you know, you getting back to what you're talking about, too, is this is what Ohio State – I'm going to write about this this week – if I get permission from Boston, uh, Ohio State has answers offensively. I've said that all along this season. And like General Norman Schwarzkopf, you know, a rock, you know, soldiers had built these big, huge lines there yeah. in Kuwait <laughs> awaiting the Ohio State, the Ohio State, the United <laughs> States assault. So what do, what do the United States and its allies do? <laughs> they went around and went to the air game and uh, Iraq had no answer. So that's the thing about this this Ohio State allied approach is it has the air game. Yeah. And unless it's just really inclement on Saturday, which is going to be like chilly, uh, fairly it's no, chilly. It's November in the Big Ten. It's not going to be Possibility of a little bit of dampness. But Ohio State just has answers. Yeah. it's And I think, I feel the same way about what Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison have done. Uh, the responses that they've been able to make and improvements with the linebacker and the second linebackers and the secondary. When we talk about Clifford running around, I mean, Malik Harrison is just looks so much more aware out there. Yeah. I was breaking this down with Zach Boren for a Buck IQ this week, and he's a different player. Um, we talked. I mentioned Tough Boren and Pete Warner on that touchdown early, but you look at the ten game resume there; those guys are different players. We'll see what happens. I don't. I don't know if Baron Browning's going to be back. I think that. That sort of core muscle injury could linger for him throughout the rest of the year. Hey, it's nothing to laugh at. No, it's not. And the same, you know, Jonathan Cooper uh, with the high ankle sprain, you know, speaking of, I mean, Ohio State has been very cautious with him for a good reason. And I'm not saying that what happened to uh, Alabama to a Tagovailoa is, you know, reflective of that. But they, those guys had the same surgery. Yeah. I know that you can have different severity and what, whatever, but that's one reason why Ohio State's been so careful. Uh, now the hip is not the ankle. I'm not saying that you, maybe I shouldn't draw a parallel, but no. but if you're limited with your movement and you're not the same player, you, you maybe shouldn't be out there. And so I don't know if that's going to be a decision that Ohio State makes this week with Cooper because we know he desperately wants to be on the field. Yeah. Uh, Here's but, the thing they're missing with Jonathan Cooper or anything else. So he plays that strong side defensive end, and the guy takes on the tight end, sometimes yeah. a double-team block, and that's what you know, you've seen these other guys fill in extremely well. But that's what you're missing, you know. That's why they can throw Jay Sean Cornell out there uh, at, on occasion if they need to, just to get a force front and throw another one of those defensive tackles like BB Landers or uh, Tommy Togiai into the mix or Haskell Garrett along with Devon Hamilton. But that's what you miss when it's almost when it's these games where you have like on like. You know, I'm talking about from a talent standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, well, you, you got to figure Jonathan Cooper if he can play, he's going to play. The next three weeks. And you and you can't say that Ohio State is not a little bit concerned about that with Cooper as they try to chase the national championship and the, and the competition gets better because two weeks ago uh, when Browning tried to give it a go against Maryland, he was lined up at defensive end. Ohio State had moved Rashad Berry or, or turned him into a two-way player and lined him up at defensive end, and sometimes a little three technique could be possible for him. And on Saturday at Rutgers, they had Cade Stover, uh, the, right. the true freshman, moving up from linebacker to get reps at defensive end. So right. th- it's not – He's on that Sam Hubbard track. Yeah, I, I think that he's going to be phenomenal there. He kind of resisted that initially. 
uh, Berm and I walked down the tunnel, that really long, bizarre tunnel at Rutgers, with Cade after the game. And I, I saw his, his carry bag. It's a linebacker. I said, Cade, you're going to need a new duffel bag. And he said, I hope so. Yeah. He, when he got to Ohio State, he wanted to play linebacker. Yeah, I think he now sees where the money might be for him down the road. Yeah. And that Hubbard transition, that's a good – Not just money, but opportunity. Yeah, that's I a mean, good early comparison. opportunity. That's you're, a really good comparison for you're him. You're right. Um, and so I don't – I mean, he's that's that's his fourth game. So I don't know if Ohio State is, is going to be willing to let him go the rest of the year. I think the ideal plan for them him was a redshirt. But my point was they're not just like, okay, we're going to go with Smith and Harrison at defensive end and everything's going to be fine. I think they, they're they planning just in case Cooper can't do it. Yeah, they're mixing and matching. I mean, get the best guy on the field for the situation. And <clears throat> a Cade Stover is a different player now than he was three months ago. Absolutely I right. mean, that's a profound statement, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I just made. But you follow my drift. I mean, some of these guys are coming on. Zach Harrison's coming on. So we'll see where it goes. Hey, well, always, Boston, it's a pleasure. Hey, and uh, thank you for having me. I, I keep always keep my eye on this on this cut up when you're here sitting here because you know this is starting to stack up a little bit. Well, you never know who's going to grab it and run with it like a Heisman Trophy pose. <laughs> where am I going to go? I know exactly. You're you know where to find me every day. We've been sitting together in the you're going to get the, the locked for, door for eight years. I know exactly. Hey, hey, uh, Hey, did you happen to take that cup full of $88 yeah. yesterday? What cup? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. The one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're downtown here, so you never know what, you know, you never know what elements you're going to run into as you leave. But, uh, but yeah, always a pleasure, Boston. I appreciate it, man. We're going to be back in a, in a, in a moment. Going to break down three plays. It's going to be quick, but three plays from the Ohio State-Rutgers game headed into the Ohio State-Penn uh, State game. Now I'm going to have one of my best friends on. He also have, happens to be one of the great, uh, analysts out there, uh, uh, pundits, whatever you want to call him, Dave Jones from Pennsylvania. He's been covering Penn State for a long time. He's got Ohio State in his blood, though. He went to, he grew up here in Columbus, and he always has pithy observations, <laughs> not just about Ohio State, but about Penn State. But we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, college football fans, it's Zach Bourne here. You need to check out BetDSI.com. BetDSI is a great way to use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. That's right. BetDSI is the top-rated online sports book. They've been paying winners for over 20 years. The reason they've been around that long is because they have got the fastest payouts in the industry. Plus, the user interface and mobile site is the best in the business. Play, win, and get paid. It's that simple. It doesn't matter if it's college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, eSports, reality TV, virtually anything. You can bet it. You can bet on it at betdsi.com and get paid right now. There's no better way to add some excitement to games that you already are watching. Check out their live betting, where you can bet on games throughout the entire matchup, every play, and every minute until the end. BetDSI has a special deal for Letterman Row fans. Use the promo code ROW100 to get a 100% bonus match. That's more than double. That's right, more than double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code ROW100 and get this limited 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash on the sports you know and love. BetDSI promo code ROW100. Now back to the show. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the breakdown the play segment of my podcast, my favorite part of the podcast. Well, one of my favorite parts of the podcast. It's a three-dimensional podcast. But the bottom line is uh, I look at plays from the previous game, and usually there are big highlight plays for Ohio State in its defense and its offense. But I'm going to start with one right here. 
that this was, you know, obviously Ohio State's up 21 to nothing, but Garrett Wilson has just muffed a punt. Uh, Rutgers gets great field position because of that muffed punt. And right here, you're going to see uh, Rutgers come out and run a play. It looks like Ohio State's offense running against some of the lesser defenses it's gone against this year, big-time plays, except, in fact, it's Rutgers going against Ohio State's you, basically their number one defense, even though they've got an entire uh, flip-flop off defensive line in here that which features Tyler Friday, I think this is Antoine Jackson, Tommy Togiai, and Javante Jean-Baptiste. The, the regular array of linebackers are in here. But you're going to watch Rutgers block a play perfectly which leads to a uh, one of the few big-time breakaway plays Ohio State has given up in the running game all year. Now, granted, granted uh, this happens to a defense, but this is an offense they're going against, which was 100 and what, 125th in the nation or what, 128th in the nation in scoring going into this game. But watch how well Rutgers comes off the ball and blocks Ohio State out of the way, creates problems where it looks like the Ohio State defense of yesteryear. I'm just showing this because – Yes, just when you think you've got things figured out, uh, calamity can hit. So go ahead and run that play, glue man. Let's show everybody what happens here. Hand off to Pacheco. Right through a huge gap over the left side. And as we look at it, stop it right there. Stop it right there. You'll see Antoine Jackson getting blocked out of the hole here, blocked out of his gap responsibility. You're seeing a uh, Pete Werner outside linebacker. Alignment has come out unfettered onto Pete Werner, blocking him. Uh, out of the play, you'll see the center take Tommy Togiai and shove him back into tough Borland. This looks just like a play we would have seen last year against Ohio State defense when he gave up repeatedly gash plays. So you can rest assured that as this play ran to fruition, go ahead and run it, glue man. You'll see Pacheco go through there, puts a little move on tough Borland, desperately trying to get back into a gap that I don't think was his in the first place. And you'll see that even a team like Rutgers, if it blocks a play perfectly and some Ohio State defenders get knocked out of their areas, uh, bad things can happen. And that's what happened on this play. Definitely, everybody said, you know, I remember talking to somebody after this game that, well, Penn State won't even look at that Ohio State-Rutgers game. They'll look at other big-time games. Guarantee you Penn State's looking at this play, ladies and gentlemen, and they're going, you know, we blocked this right. Maybe we can do the same thing. Now let's move ahead, though. This is what separates Ohio State from most, basically almost every other team in the Big Ten this year, but definitely uh, puts it on par excellence with, with, the, with the elite teams in the country is, yes, you might have Ohio State figured out off, uh, defensively going against Ohio State's offense, but then it has great players step up and make some huge plays. And really, what's a better example than the pass to Chris Olave? Ohio State up 35-7 to seven early in the third quarter. It's the last possession that uh, that Justin Fields is going to be part of. Throws a ball to a takeoff down the right side to Chris Olave. It's thrown short. I think Ohio State might have been throwing in a little bit of a wind gust there. The ball's thrown short. Olave gets interfered with on the play, yet he turns around. Lo and behold, he grabs the ball down near his knees, his ankles, Hangs on to it. This is why Chris Olave, this is one reason why I voted on Chris Olave as being a Bolitnikoff Award finalist uh, for this year, or semifinalist for this year. The ballots were due on Sunday, and he was on my ballot because this kid breaks open and makes 
really just routine catches. But then right there, you're seeing one of the more outstanding catches uh, in the in the country this this season. Keeps the drive going. Ohio State scores, and the next thing you know, uh, Justin Fields is out of the game. This game is in the bag. Now let's move on to the other play that shows what great talent can do for a team that can put a really good team over the top. This is a guy you've seen very little of, Jalen Gill from Westerville South. Watch the effort on this play. Catches a swing pass to the left side. I think it's from from uh, Chris Chuganov. Takes it up. Gets a couple of key blocks out here on the edge. And then cuts up the left sideline. Breaks a tackle. Breaks another tackle. Breaks another tackle. Stays inbound. Spins out of another tackle. And then drags uh, a Rutgers defender into the end zone with a little bit of a shove from Jameson Williams for good measure. But these are the kind of plays and players that set Ohio State apart in the Big Ten this year and have put it on the national scene. And we're talking about a guy (laughs) in Jalen Gill who you've seen very little of, at least to date. We'll see if that picks up as the year goes along, as the year finishes out here, because obviously the meat of Ohio State's schedule is ahead of it with Penn State, Michigan, possible Big Ten game, a Big Ten championship game, and if they get past that uh, spot in the college football playoffs – uh, so a lot of these people you've heard very little of could still play big roles. But just play that out and let people enjoy it one more time, uh, glue man. Jalen Gill getting into the end zone in a Big Ten game. Jalen Gill, a big thrill for Jalen Gill. But I appreciate it. I appreciate glue man running these highlights for me. We'll be back in a moment with a special guest of the week, Dave Jones from PinLive.com. One of my longtime great friends. And we're going to talk about what's up with Penn State as it heads into this showdown game. Maybe not as big a showdown game as we thought it was going to be, but still a showdown game nonetheless with Ohio State on Saturday. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back for the final segment but uh, of my podcast, ladies and gentlemen. But this should not be considered the least part of this podcast. I'm honored to have on one of my longtime friends and also one of the more noted uh, college football, just college sports in general columnists in the nation. Works for PennLive.com. He uh, grew up in Columbus but uh, found fame and fortune in, in the great state of Pennsylvania, the Keystone State, uh, the swing state as it was uh, three or four years ago. But, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to bring on Dave Jones. Dave, thanks for coming on my podcast, my man. It is the Keystone State. <laughs> I know. What the, it was Timbo, what the hell is a Keystone? Because uh, I don't even know. It's that, it's that stone they put in if you on a building. If you pull the stone out or a bridge, the whole bridge falls down. The whole down. thing will fall apart. Exactly. Yeah, I, don't, I don't believe. I don't buy that at all. I, I like Swing it. State myself because the way it played out in the 2016 election. But, hey, I digress. Dave, real quick, man, let's jump into this. Two weeks ago, Penn State was the number four team in the country, according to college football playoff experts, the guys, the committee men. Where does Penn State stand now, in your opinion? Are they worthy of still being considered one of the elite teams in the country? 
Is that Condoleezza Rice still doing that? Nah, she's not on it anymore. No. Well, she knew more um, than some of those other guys. Yeah. Well, look, I am uh, – I, I, I felt a lot better about them probably after the Iowa game. Um, they, their, their defense kind of has fallen apart a little bit. Uh, their backs, their back four does not look good. They've kind of gotten strafed by, uh, uh, not only Indiana, but, uh, Minnesota. Yeah. And those, those are good savvy quarterbacks, but I mean, <laughs> they're not, the, they're not the guy at Ohio state. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, God, I, I get around you, I start talking like you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Uh, exactly. Uh, Rubs off. Well, it's uh, yeah, I'm a mimic. Um, I I would be worried about every level of their defense at this point where I'm a Penn State fan, and I think all Penn State fans are coming into this game. Their pass rush has a lot of big numbers. I think they got 33 sacks, but um, – they're 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 not a lot of those are 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 late in the game. They're they're I'm talking about late in the uh, in the in the in the pass. They're yes. not they're not getting real good pressure with four on the quarterback. And you know if Justin Fields gets time, it's over. Uh, on the other hand, their run defense has been the one part of the defense that is hung in there. It's hung in there. Hung in there. Um, they had to go. I can't remember how many plays Michigan had. Uh, Michigan, I, I don't know if you watch that game, Michigan Penn State, but Every Michigan play. pretty much Michigan owned the last two and a half quarters. Yes, and they all controlled, and they both Beckler that game to death. And uh, Sharkface, I think, was really enjoying it, but <laughs> they didn't quite win at the end. But you felt like almost Michigan won the game. That seemed to me like the start of a, of a trend, um, a negative trend for Penn State. They yeah. won the game. They pulled it out. But um, I don't think their defense has been the same. The defense has been on the field a lot. But they're still the best in the nation yards per carry uh, in the nation. I think it's 2.21, something like that. I yes. can't remember. Yes. You're close. Bottom line is – uh, you you see the matchups just like I do in this one, and you just touched on what I thought was is the key matchup. They got to pressure Fields, right? Right, Jimbo? right. Because Ohio yeah. State's passing yeah. game. I mean, Fields yeah. threw for three hundred yards. Yes, it was against Rutgers, but he did it in two quarters and a series. You know, <laughs> and uh, that was his season high. And the point is, who knows how many three hundred yard passing games he could have had at this moment if, in fact, Ohio State had not refound its running game this year with J.K. Dobbins and Master yeah. Teague the third. I think I think if they don't at least get a draw at scrimmage uh, with Teague and Dobbins running behind those guys. See, I think, and I've thought all year, when I, I go back, I watch more Big Ten football, I think, than anybody in the country because I have to. I do this power poll I just got done with last night at 2 a.m. <laughs> and and I watch I watch video of every single game at least 10 or 15 minutes, and a lot of times I'll watch a whole game. I mean, I felt like I needed to watch Iowa-Minnesota, so I watched the whole thing. You and I want to get a bachelor pad, just you and I. Our wives would probably hate it. Yeah, that'd be really scary, dude. But I do that all the time. I watch football (laughs) all night. I mean, just because I love it. 
I love Phil it. Phil Steele. Yeah. Phil Steele with his six TVs. Phil's a freak. Oh, you yeah. and freak. You, yeah. You and Phil have a lot more in common than we do. Well, yeah. You can get maybe. together a lot easier too. I think our, um, I think, I think our, uh, uh, I think our sense of humor is more in line, you and I, but, uh, than I would be with Phil <laughs> yeah, Steele. Yeah. But it's like about you're saying, Phil. I mean, Ohio State looks like a, looks like a, a well-rounded, serious football team, despite giving up 21 points to Rutgers yeah, the other day. What I was going to say is I think the the seed of this team's – their excellence is about that offensive line. Yeah. I mean, they are really, really, really good. I remember going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on one play. I think Dobbins scored from like 68 or something against Michigan State, 63, yeah. Yeah. Said. something like that. And they were just about to pry the game open. You know, Michigan State was a good defense early in the season. Yes. I thought they were the best defense in, in the league. And then they got worn out because that offense can't keep them off the field. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Ohio State likes, you know, coming here like Northwestern had a really good run defense going into that game with Ohio State. Michigan State, another example. Wisconsin was leading the nation in total defense and rush defense, but Ohio State was bound and determined to pry open the safe. You know, that's what sticks out about this team compared to well, even, yeah. even well, the team you saw play Penn State a year ago. That that's that that long run by Dobbins, if you if you rewound it and looked at the guys with hat on hats on hats. Yes. And just glued to their guys with leverage. They had perfect leverage, every single offensive lineman and the tight end. Yes. And Dobbins went straight through the hole. It was like a whiteboard, man. <laughs> um, you don't run across offensive lines like that very often. They haven't at Ohio State. They haven't at Penn State. They haven't even at Michigan. It happens once in a while. And when you get that with with talent level like Ohio State has, you've got national championship possibilities. Yeah. Agreed. Well, let's just jump into it real quick. What do you expect to see Saturday? And we'll move on to a few other things. But what do you expect to see Saturday? Is Penn State capable, if it can figure out a way to crack the safe on Ohio State's defense, which, you know, did give up 21 at Rutgers, but there was a bunch of second, third team guys playing throughout that game to keep guys fresh. And, of course, Chase Young, as I like to say, is coming over the hill there, you know, for this game like the Cavalry after sitting out the last two games because of the suspension. Uh, what what does Penn State have that makes it capable of cracking that safe? And I keep in mind, you know, I remind you that Hamler seemed to get banged up uh, on Saturday. Yep. I don't know what his I don't know what his uh, availability will be on Saturday. I, I think he'll be he'll be fine. He'll play. Okay. Um, I think I think it has to start up front. And what they did do, and what they've done at times, but not overwhelmingly so is control the ball when they needed to with their offensive line and their running game. The problem is the best running back has not played the last two games. His name is Noah Kane. He's number 21. And he hits holes fast. He squiggles through crevices, and he finishes runs. Uh-huh. Uh, he's the only guy they have who does that. Uh, they've played three other guys almost to, well, to a fault in my opinion. This has been a long-running debate between James Franklin and a couple of us in the media that we didn't understand why he didn't pick two uh, back, you know, in October, where you could see you could see Noah Kane was the best back, and there were there were long stretches uh, in the Michigan game, for instance, when Noah Kane was healthy, he just didn't even play. Right, didn't play. I remember, and it didn't make any sense to me. Um, he has finished off games. He finished off uh, the pit game when they needed. 
a drive at the end. He's had a hundred yard games, um, but he got he injured an ankle um, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, and he hasn't played since. I have heard he, I, I guess he could have played if they really needed him against Indiana. He did not. Journey Brown, number four, right, got a lot of the carries. Uh, he and Devin Ford, number 28. These are all young running backs, so they've had four of them. And Ricky Slade, number three, have shared carries. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think if you've got one back that stands ahead of the pack, especially, you decide on a guy, get him in some rhythm, bring in the changeup back in the second and fourth quarters, uh, bring back your your honcho at the end of the game, the end of the half. Yeah. And, and ride him, you know. I, I think they've got to control some clock. they got to keep their defense off the field a little bit. And they, they're going to have to run the ball to be able to beat this team. they got to be able to, to shrink the game because Ohio State's just got more talent than everyone. Here's, Penn an, State's obtuse, got yeah. speed. Here, here's an obtuse question. What's your take on Sean Clifford? Obviously, he's feeling – my opinion, I thought Trace McSorley was a uh, playmaker par excellence at times during his career at uh, Penn State, and I think the stats and the wins back me up on that. But Sean Clifford, obviously they needed him to run a little bit last week to get some things done, and he stepped up. But what's, what's your take on him going into this kind of game? He's got um, a lot of guts. He doesn't have the acceleration Trace did. See, Trace – right. Could, could burst through holes as he did last year when they built that 26-14 lead. And, you know, Ohio State couldn't guard him. They couldn't they couldn't handle him. Right. Clifford will not be that because he just doesn't have the acceleration. He's pretty fast in straight-line speed, and he's fearless. But he gets hit a lot more than McSorley did. McSorley had that thing, yeah, uh, that Russell Wilson thing, where you could just avoid getting hit, that Drew Brees thing. He's, yes. he's all. Always been able to slip and slide through crevices. Sean can't really, uh, but he's really brave and he wants the ball. He's a Cincinnati kid from St. Xavier. St. Xavier Bombers. I heard they lost the uh, sectional the other day to uh, actually to uh, Peyton Ramsey's team. Uh, so the the in Cincinnati. Anyway, he's a he's a typical Cincinnati Catholic League kid. He's tough. Uh, he's an accurate thrower. Um, He's not as dynamic as McSorley, and he's really funny because if you ever compare him to McSorley, he just gets a huge kick out of it. Like, oh boy, here we go, here yeah. we go. Yeah, he gives us a lot of crap about that. He did to me. Yeah, when I slipped up after I don't know, I don't know what it was. I compared something he did to, to McSorley, and he was just going, "My oh, geez, I was waiting, I was waiting for that." So he, he's a funny kid. He's got a lot of personality. And he is not afraid. He will not go in there and be uh, be shy in the shoe. Oh, yeah. He's coming oh, home, too. That. I mean, come home state. I mean, it's like a, a moment. Hey. You know, it's but, funny, though, Timbo. I mean, Cincinnati has never really been an Ohio State area. I knew area. you were going to go there. I knew you were going to go there. Yeah. Meyer, what's, Meyer helped a little bit, right? Yeah. But, but it's funny how it's closer to Columbus than Cleveland is, but Cleveland's much more of a, an Ohio State area, right? Yeah, I can get to Xavier from my house, Cincinnati St. Xavier, in uh, 85 minutes, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's really close. And the interesting thing to me, too, will be if, like, you uh, – there could be a play where Justin Hilliard, number 47 for Ohio State, the linebacker, and uh, is, is chasing uh, Sean Clifford, both those guys from St. Xavier High School. So, you know, there's a – whatever you want to call it, a little bit of a rivalry there, you know, 
I mean, clearly Ohio State has gotten some players out of Cincinnati, especially since Urban Meyer showed up again. Uh, hey, three three quarterbacks the last uh, two weeks. Exactly. Uh, the yeah, Minnesota quarterback, the Indiana quarterback, and Penn State quarterback, all from Cincinnati. Exactly. Here's Tanner Morgan <laughs> sitting right out there with Minnesota, man. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Man, just think if P.J. Fleck hadn't run on the field – how that game might have changed the other day. Oh my goodness! But well, uh, that that was that was a dead ball foul. You know, it wouldn't yeah. have changed anything. No, it was a dead ball oh, foul. Yeah, but there was a, but there was a foul on. Uh, but there was they a, were both. There they was were both a call. after the whistle. Oh, they yeah. were both after the whistle. Okay. Yeah, I thought there what, was a foul. Chip, I thought there was a foul on Goggins, Iowa. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. what Chip Scoggins wrote. They were both after the whistle, so it was. Just I didn't realize be that. Okay. Yeah. I thought. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why else? Why else would the? Yeah. You're exactly right. You would have played the down over if, in fact, it had been anything other right, than that. Right, right, right. So I knew, I knew the fleck thing was after. Pub, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, real quick, let's jump into this real quick. So what do you expect to see Saturday? I mean, what, what's your take on this game? You know, obviously, it's a big national, you know, it's being promoted as a big national showdown game, uh, been tarnished a little bit by a, a, a lot, really, by Penn State losing at Minnesota. But what, what do you expect to see Saturday? I just don't see a pathway for Penn State to win the game and you always play the games and see and there have been other years where I, I, I would string a couple of ifs together when Penn State had um, deficient teams compared to Ohio State because I felt like Ohio State had weaknesses yeah I really don't know where Ohio State's weaknesses this year I just don't I mean where, where would it be well that's- they got yeah. Usually, you get the, the last unit. You get two of the six as the DBs. Hell, they're the best. <laughs> might be the best of all of Ohio State's units. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where Ohio State does not have at least at least a draw, and maybe uh, a big advantage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, I I think Ricky Ronnie, the uh, Penn State offensive coordinator, has been hard to game, so to speak. Uh, you can't really tell what he'll do no matter what game score situation. It doesn't really seem to matter. People have compared him to uh, a kid playing Madden. Yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a reader say that uh, he's got a, he, he envisioned a big, uh, like a wheel of fortune wheel with, with every third square that just says, just go ahead and chuck it deep. It's just, it's just spinning in his head at all times, right? Yeah. No, I wouldn't say that. I thought he had a pretty pretty good game at Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think he was the problem overall. Yeah. Um, but but he is prone to putting Clifford back there in some situations where I think they'd be better served trying to run the ball. Well, he must have read I the think- Tim May book. He must have read the Tim May book because the Tim May book was – says has a chapter when in doubt air it out <laughs> just you, you, you were daryl Monica, huh yeah there you go man the raiders the raiders yeah. <laughs> but yeah we don't we don't take what we're given we take what we want exactly back at the, back in the good old days anyway <laughs> hey well real quick uh dave i want to touch on this too you know in your mind uh is is this a ref more of a referendum game for penn state or ohio state if you follow my drift there uh do you sense there is greatness here in this Ohio State team? You know, like I said, you grew up here in in Columbus. You know what Ohio State football is all about. You know, you knew Woody Hayes just like I did. I Sarah. sold Coca Colas at Ohio Stadium, boy. Bingo. So now, when I was fourteen, thirteen, I watched Cliff Branch run around there. Bingo. So what, where's where where do you put this Ohio State team and the teams you've seen live? And then 
uh, a lot on television over the last several years. But where where does this team kind of fit? You think? You know, you know, it's spooky, Timbo. Um, how similar this situation reminds me of when I was twelve, um, growing up and cutting out the Columbus Dispatch Sunday section, all the different stories yeah, and the pictures. photos. Yeah. And taping them, scotch taping them on big cardboard that my mom gave me every week. And they never lost. They never won a game by fewer than 27 points. They were just killing everybody like this team. And then exactly 50 years ago. Yes. 1969. That's what this team reminds me of. And I think the schedule is kind of slanting in that direction. And I never, ever would have said this until a couple of weeks ago it occurred to me. And I'm thinking, man, oh, man, this team is is, is going to have 12 weeks of people telling them how wonderful they are. They're going to play Maryland and then Rutgers and, and kind of fall asleep. Then they're going to wake up for Penn State. They're going to they're gonna beat them up. And they're really going to think they're wonderful. Yeah. And meanwhile, what I'm, what I'm watching – in Ann Arbor is something I didn't think I'd see under Jim Harbaugh. But that offense is waking up under Josh Gaddis. I don't know if you've been watching. But I was doing the Jaws I saw, theme. I was doing the Jaws theme there while you were talking. You say what? I was doing the Jaws theme there while you were talking. <laughs> Timbo, he's the most remorseless killer in this city. Yes, he is. And, yeah. and speaking of remorseless, you know, you talk about desperate. I mean, they're going to be running into a ridiculous situation next week here, in Ann Arbor. It, yeah, here's the thing. I, I mean, agree. I, I, maybe Penn State can win the game. I don't expect it. Um, if it's not close, and that's what the odds makers say, 19 or 20, everyone's going to be telling them how wonderful they are. Yeah. But I don't think Penn – this is not a vintage Penn State team. This team – I could have seen this team losing three or four games. Yes, um, they've only lost one. They've played as well as they possibly can, I think, to James Franklin's credit. But they're they're a year away anyway. Um, Michigan should have been, you know, their talent dictates that they, they've wasted so much talent. Those wideouts. I mean, my God, yes. Donovan Peoples Jones should be a household name. Nico Collins. How has Nico Collins got 25 freaking catches at this point in the season? Yes. Tell me that. Yes. Explain that to me. I can't. But, but in that 44-10 win over Michigan State, I saw some awakening, man. I saw Shea Patterson start to believe in himself a little bit. Um, yes. I, I saw a spark. And let me tell you, if, if Ohio State goes in there thinking that they are the stuff, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and thinking that they're impervious, this 20, 24 to 12 could be revisited. My friend, That's my friend, fan. 1969, 1995, you know, Ohio State had the Heisman Trophy winner, was going to be the Heisman Trophy winner, Eddie George. They go in there undefeated, and uh, Tim Biakabatuka goes cra- – I mean, yes, there are parallels throughout history of a setup, a grand setup like this. And, uh, you know, I, I, Ohio State's, you know, totally – Ryan Day's totally aware of it. You know, the funny thing about it is, Dave, this is – He can be aware of it. Yeah. Dude, he can be aware of it. But these are 19 to 23-year-olds, right. man. Right, you know? right. But here's the thing about it is uh, I keep getting this question from people, and we talk about it on the on radio, on television, and things like this. You know, man, 
boy, Ohio State could really use a test in the fourth quarter. I mean, you know, no coach wakes up every every game day morning and go, boy, I hope we get tested into the fourth quarter. <laughs> Maybe you'd have to go to overtime to prove yeah. that we are what we are. You never know no. if you are what you are until you are put into that situation. And, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Ohio State gets shoved into that situation even this week. They, But I really do believe in desperation times for teams stepping up and playing maybe above their head. And I really see that as a possibility next week at Michigan by Michigan. Buster Douglas in Tokyo, man. You saw it. Yep. You saw it happen. Yep. I'm not saying that Ohio State shouldn't shouldn't beat them like a drum. I think they should. But but Michigan has two things that is are we required to pull this off. Uh, I'm just talking about physically. Yeah. They've got speed. They've got physical nature on their defense yes. and on their offensive line. They're 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 not a they're not a soft team and they're not unathletic. They're both. They've just kind of been wasted for all this time. And when Harbaugh's been putting together these great recruiting classes, how are you know, how can you not deploy them? Yes. Well, you know what? If she, if Shea it's all on Shea Patterson in my mind. If he just gets that Buster Douglas mindset and like, screw it, man. I don't care anymore. And, and just believes in himself and quits being cautious and just throws caution to the wind and goes out and tries to win the game, man. That, that team can be dangerous, especially at home, especially if they, you remember when they, Michigan State kind of pushed, punched them in the mouth in the shoe for the first quarter? Yes. I mean, it could look like that for longer. That's what I'm saying. And the longer that goes on and they hang around or maybe even get ahead where Ohio State's never been behind, stuff can happen. That's where I could see it happening, not really the Penn State. Well, speaking of jumping ahead, ladies and gentlemen, that's what Dave Jones and I just did, Ohio State versus Michigan. That's you got to wait on that one. you got to wait till after you have Thanksgiving dinner to really take that one in. I really think the difference this week, Dave, is – the return of Chase Young is going to be a real deal <laughs> that Penn State will have to deal with. And I agree with you. I think on paper, this looks like Ohio State should win comfortably, maybe not in route fashion, but comfortably unless they, you know, step on their own feet. And, uh, you know, they yeah, did that. I think it'll I think it'll look a lot like the Michigan State game. Yeah. You know, when Michigan State was a better team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pitt State's got quality players. This isn't like last week, you know, at Rutgers or against Maryland. Uh, Pitt State's got a quality roster. Uh, it's not quite there compared to what it's been you know, the last previous uh, couple of years. But, uh, Dave, you know, we're going to have you on again because you know how much you and I shoot the bull on uh, on the telephone. We ought to record those sessions as possible podcast sessions because neither one of us curse. And then we have just great, great conversations. But I definitely want to have you on again if you're willing. No, man. I, You know, people don't know. Sometimes we probably talk, what, three times a year? Yeah. And whenever we get on the phone, we can't get rid of each other. Yeah. Because it's like. <laughs> it's hey, you remember this? Hey, you remember 40 that? 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a free for all. We ought to have callers come in and then throw them off the air. I just like no. the depth. I just I've always liked the depth you go to and you're you know, you're opinionated. I don't always agree with your opinion, but your you but your opinion is based on study, fact, et cetera. You're not just throwing stuff into the wind and that's what I've always appreciated by you is and then your ability to put it on paper, man. You're you're par excellence when it comes to column writing and people who've never discovered you should discover you because you know, I've always said this you're one of my favorite guys to read out there but dave i really truly appreciate you coming on my man timbo 
I don't always agree with you either, but I'll fight to the death. You're right to express your opinion. That's this reporter's opinion. Well, Who thank you very that? much, Woody. I appreciate no, Jimmy, it. Jimmy Crumb. Man. I know, man. But I was I thought more people know Woody than, than Jimmy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's I Dave did. Jones, one of my favorite people in the entire world. And uh, that concludes yet another edition of the Tim May Podcast with my cup here. Uh, my cup will be runneth over next week if I do the if I do the tally correctly, and you'll be seeing it. We'll be into triple figures, I do believe. But, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again. Enjoy the game on Saturday, and I'm very much looking forward to next week's podcast as Ohio State goes to Michigan with maybe a lot on the line, and I mean from both camps. But until then, this is Tim May. Thanks for watching, and thanks for listening. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.